Our reading this morning comes from Matthew chapter 5, verses 1 through 12. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up the mountain, and after he sat down, his disciples came to him. Then he began to speak and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Dear Lord, we uh, await your wisdom. Don't let the preacher's words get in the way of what you want to say to us. So speak to us, Lord. Your servants are listening. Amen. Well, it was time. Jesus had gone down to the River Jordan. He was baptized by John. He had uh, stood before his own people in Nazareth, uh, reading from the scroll of the book of Isaiah. Uh, he had been driven after his, will, after his baptism into the, into the wilderness where he was tempted for 40 days. He was now gathering up disciples, would-be disciples at least, those who would follow him. And now he decided it was time to train them, to teach them about the kingdom of heaven, about what their responsibility would be. So, so he goes up on this mountain, uh, hillside really, and he sits down as was the custom of teachers in his day. And he looked out across the crowd. What did he see? He saw common people. He saw people just like us. He saw fishermen. He saw zealots, those who really were kind of fired up about their faith. He saw people that really had no distinction. In the scriptures, many of them were just given a name. Uh, Some didn't even have a name in that sense. He saw sinners. He saw some who were tax collectors, some who had taken the law well beyond its bounds and had let that become sin for them. He saw women of the night, harlots, adulterers. He saw sick people, blind people, people who were lame. He saw lepers and people who were possessed and heard voices in their head. He saw people who were hungry. He saw the poor. He saw a lot of nobodies, at least that's what the world would call them. But Jesus saw something else. He saw something more in these people than what the world saw. He saw potential disciples. So he wanted to encourage them. So he began a sermon. He began a sermon we know of today as the Sermon on the Mount. And um, this sermon lasted uh, three chapters in our in our gospel today. It's three chapters, chapters five, six, and seven of Matthew's gospel. 
so don't complain when sermons are a little long, okay? And I, I know I'm not Jesus, but, but the point is that to teach people about the kingdom of God, to, to instruct folks about what it means to be a disciple of Jesus, it takes, takes some time, and that's what, that's what he was doing. And he began with the words that we have in our scripture lesson this morning, uh, better known as the Beatitudes. These first 12 verses in the fifth chapter of Matthew is the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount. And he begins by telling his would-be followers that they were blessed. They were blessed. They were blessed because, number one, he saw people who were poor in spirit. And he knew that theirs would be the kingdom of God. These are the people who, you know, don't, don't think they have much. They're, they're kind of beaten down. They're, they're at the lower rung of the ladder of success. They're sort of starting at the bottom of life. They're not possessed by their possessions. They're not, they're not possessed by great wealth or, or larger-than-life egos. They're, they haven't been captured by uh, ideas of social status they're empty. Their spirits are empty. And therefore, they're ready to be filled. It reminds me of the story of the rich young ruler that uh, Matthew tells us about in the 19th chapter of Matthew's gospel. The rich young ruler who comes to Jesus, he wants to be his follower. He says, you know, let me follow you. And Jesus says, fine, fine. Go take all your possessions, sell them, and give it, give it to the poor. Then come follow me. And then the scriptures tell us that he went away sorrowful because... As Matthew says, he had great possessions. He, he was possessed by his possessions. So Jesus saying, blessed are the poor in spirit, because they aren't possessed by these possessions. He also was saying that disciples are blessed because they mourn. Luke says, because they weep. Maybe Luke's uh, version of this is maybe more poignant, more you can kind of visualize, you can sense the mourning by the weeping. Matthew says, Jesus said, blessed are the, those who mourn because they'll be comforted. In other words, these are the people who have invested themselves in someone or something. And, and that's precisely why they're mourning. That's why they're feeling the pain. That's why they're, that's why they're weeping. That's why they're, 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 they're heartbroken because they've invested themselves. You know, the Super Bowl that's coming up. If, if, you don't, if, you, if you don't care who wins, if you're not invested on one side or the other, it really doesn't matter. One team could blow out the other or, or, or they could both be close. It wouldn't matter if, if you're not invested in one side or the other. That's the way it is in life, that if we've not given ourselves into a relationship, into, into caring for another human being, then the loss of that human being will, will be nothing. It, it's all based on, on our investment. I have uh, often said to folks who are going through grief, you know, I, I, you know, I, I say, I, I wouldn't take away your hurt if I could. As much as I hate to see you in pain, I wouldn't take it away because, you see, in order to take it away, I have to take away your love. I have to take away all those memories, all the, all the good times that you had with that, that person that you love, and I wouldn't do that in a moment because the pain is directly proportional to, to our investment in that relationship. When my 
foster dad, I think I've told you about before, the paranoid schizophrenic, when, when he was dying in, um, at the VA hospital in Richmond, I, I spent several days there. And while I was in his room, I got a phone call from the bishop. And the bishop at that time called and simply asked a very simple question, how are you doing, Al? And I don't know, it was like he pushed a button and, and it just, the floodgates opened and I couldn't even respond. I couldn't even tell him what I was feeling. I just wept. And it was not until that moment that I realized how much I had invested in Clyde's life. You know, there were all those times where, I mean, part of the reason he was at the VA hospital is because he was being kicked out of the soldier's home in Washington. His 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 mental illness had had pushed him away from so many people. And, and, and I, and I didn't realize that all those years, all that time that I spent with him, I didn't realize how invested I was in this man. And, and when the Bishop asked how I was, it, it all came out. Blessed are those who mourn. Disciples are people who mourn because they're invested because they care about other people. In many ways, Jesus was saying disciples are blessed because they are meek. They're the, they're the ones who will inherit the earth. Now, you understand, he's not saying blessed are the weak. He's saying blessed are the meek. Blessed are those who are humble. You know, I've never understood adult children who have, this, have the audacity to think that they somehow deserve the, the material inheritance of their, of their parents. I've never understood that. And over the 38 years of ministry that I've been engaged in ministry, I've, I've been with families through this, and I've seen the turmoil and the, and the strife. And, and, and I want to ask myself, why? Why do you think you, that you should inherit that? You've already inherited life. You've inherited love. You've inherited their values, and there's so many other things that you've been given. Humility is just thrown out the window in so many ways. The meek, you see, are those who, who understand through their humility what's really of value in life. It's the invisible, it's the intangible, it's the spiritual things of life. In, in many ways, I, I think uh, when my dad died when I was 14, in many ways I think if without his death, I may not have been able to, to go to college or, or to seminary. Even though I worked my way through that, it was, the, it was the, those proceeds that came from Social Security that made it possible for me to, to, to get through school. And so I could look back and say, wow, that's what my dad gave me. But, but when I look back, it, it's not that that I inherited that is of greatest value, but it's love and it's care. It's the time that he spent listening and talking and just being in relationship. The meek will inherit the earth because they inherit all those invisible spiritual things that are of greatest value. Jesus, in so many ways, was saying that disciples are blessed because they hunger and thirst for righteousness. It's like being poor in the spirit. It, it's, being, it's being empty. It's, it's that, you know, we often talk about the glass is half empty, half full. The real value is a, is a fully empty glass because then it has the potential of being filled to the brim. 
Those who hunger and thirst for righteousness understand that need. They, they understand the emptiness in their own lives. But what's different from just simply being poor in the Spirit, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness want, they, they crave to be filled. And they crave to be filled with goodness. They want to do the right thing. They want to, they want to follow God. They want to follow the, in the footsteps of Christ. If you crave for righteousness... Jesus is telling us that you will be filled. Jesus says disciples are blessed because they're merciful. They are the ones who will receive mercy. They know the importance of forgiveness because they themselves know how much they have been forgiven. I've always said, you know, vengeance slays the avenger. We need to forgive other people, not because the other people need our forgiveness. That's almost insignificant. What's really important, we need to forgive them because we need to be in an attitude. We need to have a heart of forgiveness and mercy. It's for our good that we forgive. Bitterness grows in our hearts like a cancer when we cannot forgive. My uh, Clyde that I was telling you about foster dad, who's married to Zira, and they were married when they were when she was in her 40s. She had been living as a single woman with her mother and her mother's sister, Aunt Frances. Clyde, uh, she, they were living in Gadsden, Alabama, and, and when Clyde was stationed near there with the army, they met each other and and married. And Clyde took Zero away, took her out of Gadsden, Alabama. They went to Germany eventually made their way to Northern Virginia where I met them and where they became my foster parents. But to Aunt Frances's dying day, she was bitter about the fact that Clyde had taken her niece away out of the home. She was in her 40s. And she was angry with Clyde. Couldn't stand him because he had stolen her niece. That's what bitterness does to you. It eats at your heart. It, it destroys you from within. Often our lack of mercy clouds our very vision and what we see isn't what it seems. A story is told about a woman who uh, was waiting for a flight in the airport and um, <clears throat> she, uh, it was an extended period of time and so she went to one of the little shops. She bought a, a paperback book to read and, and a bag of cookies and she sat down on, on the bench to wait for her flight. She noticed out of the corner of her eye that a man sat down and he began to take cookies out of that bag that sat between them. And every time he'd take a cookie, she would just be so angry that she'd grab up cookie out of the bag and she'd eat one. Moments would pass and then he'd take another cookie out and she'd do the same thing until they got down to the last cookie. And they both looked at that cookie. Who's going to take it? Well, the man picked it up. He looked at it. He looked at the woman. He broke it in half and gave her half. She snatched it out of his hand and just gobbled it down. It was finally time for a flight, so she got all her stuff together, her bag, and she, she ran to the, to the checkout. She went through and sat down in the plane. She then opened up her bag to find the paperback book so she could read, and there in the bag was her bag of cookies. <laughs> she had been eating the man's cookies all along. 
See, when, when we don't know how to forgive, when we don't live in an attitude of mercy, we see things differently. The world doesn't look the way it ought to look. Jesus also says disciples are blessed because they're pure in heart, and that's what makes it possible for them to see God. They know that everything of value begins with the heart. They look beyond the physical. They look deeper. And that's why they see God at work in the world. You know the story of the little prince, how the little prince uh, had a little had a little rose, loved the rose, thought it was the most special thing in all the world until he came to a whole whole field of roses and he became despondent because this wasn't a special rose at all. And the fox comes up and says, why don't you, you know, well, the fox comes up at the, that very moment and the little prince says to the fox, well, well, come play with me. I'm feeling kind of sad. And the fox says, no, no, I can't do that. Not until I'm tamed. And so they go through a whole conversation about what it means to be tamed, that it takes time, that it doesn't happen all at once. And you have to kind of come little by little until you're close enough to be tamed. And, and, and the fox finally came and he was sad and said, I've got to leave now. And I think I'll cry. And the little prince says, why? You wanted me to tame you. It's your own fault. And the fox said, well, look, I've got something to share with you. Go, go again and look at the roses and then come back to me and I'll share with you my wisdom. And the little prince goes out and he sees all the roses and he looks at his rose and then he realizes, oh, you aren't like my rose. You're, you're not like my rose because my rose is the one who's tamed me. We, we've taken the time with each other. I've protected her. I put the globe over her and, and I've, I've beaten off the caterpillars that wanted to eat her. And I, you know, I, that, that makes her special to me, special, more special than all of you other roses. Little Prince came back to the fox and said, now I'll, I'll give you my wisdom. The fox said, it is only with the heart that one sees rightly what is essential is invisible to the eye. It is only with the heart that one sees rightly what is invisible, what is essential is invisible to the eye. That's what people who are pure in heart are. They're, they're looking for those invisible truths in life. And that's why they are able to see God and that's why they're blessed. Disciple is also blessed because a disciple is one who is a peacemaker. These peacemakers are called children of God. They're the ones who stand in the breach between warring parties. If you've ever tried to love a couple going through a broken relationship or divorce, you know how difficult that is to stand in the breach because by and large, both will eventually turn against you because they think you are on the other side. So often that's why divorced couples leave churches because they feel like, well, the church didn't care about them. Because the church was caught in the middle trying to love both. It's not easy to be a peacemaker. It's downright impossible sometimes without the help of God. But that is what God's children do. And then finally, finally Jesus is saying the disciples are blessed because they're persecuted. <laughs> they're blessed because they're persecuted for righteousness sake. They're the people that know what the kingdom of heaven is all about. The kingdom of heaven belongs to them. Just try loving the unlovable. Try forgiving the unforgivable and see what happens. Dietrich Bonhoeffer called it costly discipleship. 
and he died in a concentration camp to prove his point. It's not easy to be a disciple, not easy at all. Years ago, I wrote a, I wrote a piece in The Advocate about a conversation I had with my youngest son, who at that time was pretty young. And I'd like to read in conclusion this, this part of the piece that I wrote. A few weeks ago, I was driving our six-year-old son home from the dentist's office. Out of nowhere, it seemed, he threw at me one of those questions only a kindergartner can lob into the unsuspecting lap of a parent. Dad, he wondered aloud, is everything dangerous? Well, Jesse, I waffled, it depends. Crossing the street is dangerous if you don't look both ways. But if you do what you're supposed to do, it's not as dangerous as it can be. Why do you ask? He was quiet for a moment, then he spoke with a wisdom beyond his years. Sometimes love is dangerous. What do you mean, I asked. Well, sometimes you get dumped, he replied, obviously recalling the conversations of his 13-year-old brother's friends. We talked for a moment about the meaning of dumped. (laughs) Then I explained, sometimes people love people who don't love them back, and they get hurt. Then they're afraid to love anyone else because they don't want to get hurt again. Like Scrooge, he asked. What do you mean? Scrooge was hurt when he was little, he explained. So he began to love money more than people. More than people. You're right, Jesse. I guess he thought loving people was just too dangerous for him. I patted my little philosopher on his knee, and we both smiled. But real love, I continued, is worth the danger. When God sent Jesus into the world, God did a dangerous thing. When God chose to love a world full of people who weren't and aren't yet quite ready to return that love, you guessed it, God did a dangerous thing. Real disciples of Jesus are blessed. And they are blessed precisely because they're poor in spirit, they mourn, they're weak, meek, they hunger and thirst for righteousness, they're merciful, they're pure in heart, they're peacemakers, and they are persecuted. They are blessed and certainly not pampered because it's dangerous being a disciple of Jesus. But it's more than worth the danger. Let us pray. Lord, help us to walk into a dangerous world and follow in your footsteps. Amen.